Welcome to the Business Herald podcast. The Business Herald is a weekly roundup of all of the top UK business news stories by email, social media and this podcast. The podcast will feature some of the week's main stories and we'll be joined by various business people each episode to discuss the news and how it might impact a smaller business like yours. And hopefully we'll have some fun on a Friday too. I'm your host, Stephen Mather. I'm a lawyer for SMEs and I help business owners sleep better at night by sorting out their legal problems. Thanks for listening to this intro and stay tuned for the next episode of The Business Herald. Welcome along to episode six of The Business Herald podcast. This week, I'm joined once again by James Blacklaws and Neil Wattam. James is a commercial finance broker, having spent 17 years in the industry, 12 of which he was a manager with Lloyds Bank. James has a degree in economics, runs his own business, and is a frequent commentator on lending and economy issues on his Facebook and YouTube channels. Neil is a qualified chartered accountant, and since 2004 has had various roles in finance, including senior positions in FTSE 100 and 250 companies. He's now a founder and director of WKM Wealth, a new financial management advisory firm based in Leicestershire. Welcome along, gentlemen. Thanks for having us, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. Good to see you. So anything happened this week that our listeners should be aware about if they've not seen anything in the news, any major stories that we might want to talk about this week? I think we'll end it there. I think I don't think there's been much, much happened in the news. Um, so obviously the, the big story this week is, uh, is Rishi Sunak's uh, winter economy plan. And his, uh, he's scrapping of a budget this, uh, this winter and bringing in the, uh, this winter plan, which includes a variety of different schemes to, uh, to continue to help uh, businesses impacted by coronavirus and the lockdown and, uh, and all of those issues. So my first point is I don't like the name of it. I don't like the winter economy plan. I think it should be the winter economic plan. Um, but that's me being a pedant more than anything else. Uh, but James, some of the uh, some of the points that uh, that are brought in, um, you know, include things about the bounce back loan and the lending uh, scenarios. Do you want to just have a, a recap of what uh, what was brought out and announced yesterday? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Evan. With, with regard to lending, um, there's three real main points. Um, first of all, the bounce back loan. The current term, as many people are probably aware, is, is a, a five-year period of capital repayment is the maximum term after a year of the government meeting the repayments. Um, due to the potential pressure that would put on the first early repayments of this loan next year, the government decided to extend the guarantee to lend this to 10 years. So in theory, your bounce-back loan or your Sybil's loan or one of the other two loan schemes as well can now be extended to a 10-year term to help the serviceability of debt. Um, so... Let's see how that works out. We, we don't know the, the detail at this moment in time with regard to um, exactly how that's going to be applicable to loans that have currently been issued, which is around about 1.2, 1.3 million in total. But certainly loans going forward, it appears that you'll be able to stretch it over a 10-year term. It's really it's strange to, to, to interrupt there, James. It look, nice. It's really strange because the, the wording of all of the publications on, on the .gov website at the moment seems to suggest that the bounce-back loans will be extended to a 10-year repayment period, 
like as if it's an automatic it's a given thing that they were six or five or six years i think um and now they're going to be 10 years automatically by default um and i'm not sure that that can realistically work having to redo 1.3 million loan agreements again i don't quite know how that will work so we wait to see well, what the wording of that no. is no, and that, that's where there's some confusion. And this has um, been a constant in the last six months with regard to these products, where the government make an announcement and actually um, how that's going to work in practicality and how it's going to be left to be sorted out by the lenders is an uncertainty. So I'm like you. If I've signed a contract for a, a bounce-back loan over five years, I think any lender is on very dangerous ground simply extending that to 10 years without consultation with the client. But we will have to wait and see. Um, the, the other points are that the um, application deadline for the government loan schemes has been extended to the end of the year. Um, many of you probably realise that the, the Sybil's loan scheme was due to come to an end at the end of September and the bounce back loan was the 4th of November. So they've both been extended to the end of the year, which is good. And there's also talk of a new loan scheme starting next year, um, which we know very little about, but um, it will be government back to a point and will be used to help drive the recovery. So it appears that there's an understanding that the current scheme as it sits maybe hasn't been always suitable for purpose and amendments have needed to be made to that, as well as the acknowledgement that this is going to be a long-term issue and that government support will be needed for lenders going to 2021. Yeah, and one, one of the other things that's not entirely clear and obvious to me at the moment is whether or not somebody that has already taken out a bounce back loan for a specific sum can take out a further bounce back loan. Now it's being extended on the you know realization that perhaps they didn't take enough. You know, I can imagine circumstances where a more conservative small business owner, um, you know, looked at their uh, turnover for the last year and thought, you know, well, I'll only take a, a twenty thousand pound loan out right now, and actually they could that they could justify taking out a maybe a, a forty or fifty thousand pounds bounce back loan. And now they're looking at it again, going, I could really do with that extra money. It's not quite clear whether or not they can um, you know, make another application, reapply you know, under those extended terms. So as always with the government, like you say, James, we're waiting to see the, the, the detail of it. Um, and it's been a hallmark of this government, certainly. Um, and it is a criticism, uh, definitely, of them. They, they announce things without it being documented uh, in, in any detail uh, in the past, you know, historically. Um, on budget day, the, the Chancellor would get up and make an announcement about the budget and then immediately online, so in the last 10-15 years, immediately online would be all of the detail behind what he just discussed. Nowadays, we, uh, we have to try and uh, find a needle in a haystack to, uh, to piece together their social media output, their comments on newspapers, the, the, the guidance that's printed, uh, that's uploaded to the website, and then the wording on the website, which is often different, um, and try and piece together uh, all, of the, uh, all of the above to make sense of it all. Um, some of the other schemes that were announced by Rishi, um, the, the main one was the job support scheme. Um, <clears throat> there, was, there was comments uh, throughout the week that he would adopt a German-style subsidy-type wage subsidy type program, which I think we discussed on previous podcasts as well. Um, and the, the plan is, is not so easy to follow, uh, I think, just because of, of mathematics. Um, but, but in short, it's this, 
the employee works um, at least a third of their usual hours and gets paid for those hours, the employer and the government will then pay half of the other third of their wages to top them up to effectively two thirds. It might not be two thirds because of the way in which the mathematics work. Um, some examples I've seen are 77%, some examples I've seen are 80%. Um, the, the government has, uh, itself on its, um, its publication uh, presented it in a table format with, uh, with a variety of different percentages. Uh, it's a very difficult to kind of get, uh, get your head around. But in principle, it looks like this, to me at least, that uh, for most small businesses in particular, if you are struggling because of an impact of coronavirus and you're looking at making redundancies and you are uh, wondering whether or not you're going to have the pipeline of sales in, your turnover might be hit, and you've got a number of staff, the scheme is probably likely to be more expensive than making one or more people redundant and then keeping a limited number of staff on, which is the exact opposite of what the coronavirus job retention scheme or the furlough scheme was intended to do. That scheme, the historic scheme now, was closes at the end of the month. Um, that scheme was intended to avoid redundancies. This job support scheme isn't specifically stated to avoid redundancies. And Rishi came out and said, that they can't keep every job going. The government isn't there to support every job and make sure that every job survives. It's there to, to try and help businesses and employees to, um, I don't know, last until you know, January, February time, see them through the winter and hopefully we'll be out of it and then get back to, to normal. Um, so a lot of commentators use the phrase kicking the can down the road. Um, James, I know you've used that phrase uh, a lot in the past uh, on, the, on this podcast and elsewhere. And it seems to me that that's probably what is happening uh, here as well. The, the other thing to remember um, about the job support scheme is that it's still linked to the, um, the, the job uh, retention bonus payment, £1,000 uh, that you're going to get as an employer for every employee that you have kept on um, until... Uh, January, so you'll get that thousand pounds as well. But bearing in mind, employers will have to pay the national insurance contributions, pension contributions, and effectively twenty-two percent extra on their, their their wages without getting the benefit of that work. It's 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 one of those questions is going to come down to the mathematics and finances of it as to whether or not it works for a specific company or not. Um, and, and unlike the furlough scheme, which for most people was, was quite an easy scheme to understand, I put people on furlough, I get 80% from the government and they don't have to do any work. That was quite easy and it was, it was a great scheme and, and very generous. This new scheme, I think, requires a little bit more thought if you're an employer, a little bit more analysis on the facts and figures to see what, if it's the best thing for you or actually if you've got two staff doing a job it seems to make, it seems generally speaking that it would make more financial sense to make one person redundant and keep one person on than having two people on part time. Um, Neil, have I summarised that in accordance with how you've seen it and you've read it? What are your yeah. views on it generally? I think so, yes. Um, I mean, the, the, the Chancellor seems to have focused on the term of viable jobs. Um, and I think from my sort of um, reviews and discussions here, that it will probably accelerate now um, the demise, unfortunately, of a number of jobs 
that were being kicked down the road um, and looking at the proportions of UK workforce that were on furlough early in December in terms of the types of industries, arts, entertainment, accommodation, hotels, etc. Uh, given the way the virus is still around and the way the government's um, working on lockdowns, etc., you can only see again that that being accelerated. Unfortunately, I guess to a point, people have probably been very nervous, individuals, about what might happen. This might accelerate some certainty, which in in a, in one way might be better to know something's going to happen rather than oh, is my job still there or not? Um, but equally for business owners, I think this is definitely a head scratching. It's not, as you said, Stephen, the simple furlough scheme. This is, oh, actually, I need to sit down and work this out. And then you, you're obviously dealing with people's livelihoods as well as the business owners. So um, I think simplicity is generally good. This case um, is not simple and therefore will make people's decisions a bit harder and possibly wrong. It's, you know, People might make some assumptions and decisions that actually might come back to haunt them. But nonetheless, I guess it's support, though. You know, it's not nothing. The furlough end furlough scheme does end. This is the new scheme. Um, it is something, it is some support, some businesses, it might just be enough, whereas the end of the furlough scheme was not. Um, so I guess it's something, but equally, we can't afford the furlough scheme to continue no. as well. So I guess it's a, it's a step forward. It is something, but um, it feels like it could have been simpler um, to manage for both a employee to think, oh, how this might, might affect me versus an employer thinking the same. Yeah, and I think the, the other thing that, uh, that occurs to me is we, we still, so we saw earlier this week, um, Whitbread, the owner of Premier Inn, um, Brewers Fair and related uh, restaurants, um, announced that they're looking at 6,000 job losses. Um, across their uh, their board. Now, that's a small number of employees compared to how many they employ in the UK, but still 6,000 is a lot, and they are a very big organisation. And if an organisation like that are making the decision to make people redundant rather than turn around and say, well, actually, you know, we'll put people on a, on the job support scheme and do that, it's focusing, again, on what Rishi said, what you just said, is the, the viability of those jobs. And I think the decision for any business owner, whether or not they're small or, or large, is to now look at, seriously look at, whether or not the jobs are viable over the next six months or 12 months, um, and, and, and whether or not they're not, which is akin to almost carrying out a redundancy process, but not quite a redundancy process. And, and from, a, from a legal point of view, which is obviously my background, is I think you'd be on tricky ground if you were not, uh, as an employer, not carrying out some steps to look at who should be coming back off a of furlough, um, who, who, uh, who should be made redundant. Um, you've got to be carrying out that decision-making process before you get too deep into it and start making those redundancies. The same applies to putting people on this job support scheme or not. Because if you're putting someone on a job support scheme and then other people aren't on the job support scheme and they're working full-time, I think that'd be a real good argument for the person that was on the job support scheme and maybe ultimately made redundant, that that was unfair. And there needs to be almost akin to a, a selection process as to who goes on this. So I think from, a, from an employer's point of view and a legal point of view, I think there needs to be a lot of thought into whether or not the scheme is right, who goes on it, how it works, and whether or not it's um, affordable. Um, the scheme also announced uh, some more support for self-employed people. 
um, which was effectively amounts to 20% of uh, your, uh, your profit over a three month period. Um, and that profit payment is, is taxable as well. Um, so again, it's a, a little bit of support, nowhere near the levels that we saw previously, but still support nonetheless. And, and James, I think from a, um, from a overall point of view, while if you're self-employed and you need that support and, you know, and it would be really important to get some support, you're probably crying out for more support. Taking into account the bigger picture in terms of what the overall economy looks like, the borrowing, the cost so far to date, that's probably as much as you could go to really, isn't it? You couldn't really open the, you know, the floodgates and say, here's another 80, you know, 70, 80% of profit. No, I, I don't think so. And I think it's probably been um, seen over the last few months that these schemes aren't necessarily fit for purpose in many ways. Um, the the self-employment scheme allowing self-employed people to have 80% of their previous year's profits while continuing to work, what at the same time as not allowing limited company directors any support at all, appears to be facially flawed and has led to an awful lot of excluded people. So I think there's an acknowledgement that a majority of self-employed people are either back at work and don't necessarily need the level of support they had previously, or if they're not getting any help, then they're not getting, they, they're not, this is something better than nothing. Um, and as Neil sort of alluded to earlier, you know, the, the government can't afford another furlough scheme. We, we've had significant amount of um, funds added to the national debt in the last six months. I think national debt is at around about 86, 87% of GDP at the moment, which is phenomenally high. It's very worrying and steps had to be taken to do this. But my, my honest feeling is that these schemes are, and you used the term earlier, and I use it again, um, kicking the can down the road. And the, I guess ultimately the, the answer to the question, are these schemes going to be successful, will be determined in 12 months' time by how many jobs have actually been lost. And I think there is an argument to be made that if a job was to be lost now, then what is the point of keeping on life support using government money, which will take generations to repay? when the job is going to be lost anyway. And that may sound quite cold, but if you're looking at things from a wider macroeconomic point of view, then that's what we have to do. And um, the, the Chancellor announced, I think one of his, his quotes was, his quotes were that um, not everyone will go back to the job they used to have. So by saying that, what's now the point in keeping jobs and life support, which won't be there in 12, 18 months time anyway? Mm. It all seems to be slightly confused to me. And this seems to be um, an, an, a chance for the, well, the Chancellor appears to have used this as an opportunity to try and please everybody, but may well end up pleasing very few people with this announcement. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think that's right, uh, James. I just wanted to uh, pick up something that you mentioned just there about, um, uh, about the, the, the national debt. Actually, the, the latest figures, we're now at 100% of GDP, 100.5, I think it is of GDP. Um, total borrowing is now over two trillion. First time in history that that's ever got to two trillion. Um, and that was primarily because of the, the costs of the coronavirus support schemes. Um, borrowing increased 39 billion in August alone. Um, so that took us over the, uh, over the limit. And I think it's, you know, we're, we're there and um, it's just not, not the, 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 
the funds to go around. So while you know some some businesses, some smaller businesses, some industries, and some sectors will be really affected and more affected than others. You know, he's got to the bottom of the biscuit tin, and there's a, some crumbs left, and he's got to distribute that, hasn't he? he you know, we we don't uh, we don't have a fresh delivery of bourbon biscuits like I do every week. As as someone who works in business lending, if, if UK PLC was a trading business and you looked at its balance sheet and its profit and loss, it would be seen as a very very high risk business to lend money to. Let's Absolutely. just leave it at that. Yeah. Well, in actual fact, um, it was in the uh, Business Herald newsletter a couple of weeks ago about Apple. Apple um, now sits on the same level of capital value as we have debt. They they, they hit two trillion as a company. Uh, Company valuation is worth more than our debt as a company, as a country. Um, And that's scary figures that one organization, albeit a a global conglomerate, um, is now sitting more pretty than we are as a country. A couple of the other schemes that were announced by Rishi was the deferral of uh, VAT payments. So we talked about that a couple of weeks ago um, with Jamie Coughlin um, about the, the, the impact that that might have come January. This was the deferral of um, uh, the quarter of VAT that was due around about March, April time. And it was deferred until I think January. Um, and, and we I think everybody realized that that was going to be a major problem for a lot of small businesses because at the time Rishi said defer it and spend it so you can spend it on something else that's more important and hopefully it'll all rectify itself and come January you'll have the money and I think we've all realized most businesses have realized that um, it's difficult to to get that fact back so Rishi's announced that they can defer that VAT for a further 11 month period um, and pay it over uh, over that period of time to to help them out, which is uh, which is good. And then um, tax as well, income tax liability. Uh, if you've got a debt with the uh, with HMRC up to thirty thousand um, pounds, then that can also be deferred until twenty twenty. So um, again, uh, Neil, they they are just little um, little bits, uh, little nibbles of uh, of help for people that just to see them through this winter period, hopefully. And, um, and and see them on the path. Nothing nothing major, but for a small business owner, that's going to help, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And, and alongside the temporary, that reduction continues for a bit longer for the hospitality tourism. So again, again, a little nibble. And I think for that, from that example as well, I've seen it in a number of places. Some places have chosen to cut their prices to just entice a little bit more and show a lot what we're helping as well. Others will hopefully, I guess, take a bit of a boost to their bottom line. But they are little helps. Um, but having said that, I was in a, a restaurant the other night um, and it was buzzing, absolutely buzzing. So some, th- some of these things are working, I guess, to a varying degrees. Um, but yeah, they will help. But I guess equally for the government and us as, as taxpayers and future taxpayers, there's a lot of deferrals, which is rather concerning from a, you know, if you can defer your VAT, great, or, or your, your personal income tax payment. But what happens when you get there and you still can't? And don't know it feels like there's an awful lot of pain to potentially come but equally i guess people do get more optimistic as the sun comes back in the in the spring and you know you naturally feel a bit more optimistic so i guess it makes some sense to keep these things and help through through the winter when it just gets a little bit harder um but i guess fundamentally 
um, as long as the coronavirus is still around and prevalent and the government make these rather quick and prompt announcements to change lockdowns, local lockdowns and what you can and can't do, um, people still feel an element of what's coming, question mark, because we just don't know. Yeah. And, and I guess the reality is what, what Rishi was saying, to, particularly talking back about the, the jobs and then jobs being viable, the support now being, being reduced and they're saying they can't save every job. The same will apply. They can't save every business. They can't save every small business. Um, is this just him being frank and honest with the population, effectively saying, look, we're not, uh, we're not going to guarantee and underwrite every single thing because we can't possibly do that. Uh, and businesses will fail, employees will lose their jobs, and that's just a natural effect of what's going to happen. It, it seems like they're almost, you know, giving us a glimpse of what they're expecting, you know, in six months down the line. And this is almost, you know, this is the, the level of support that they're prepared to give. They can go down a little bit less than this, I guess. They could go to a job support scheme where they give 10% and um, self-employed people 10% of support for another three months. But there's not much downward scope after this if it gets worse and if there's more local lockdowns etc um james they were they, they were talking about um it wasn't announced in the winter plan but previously been announced of focused support in local lockdowns so if, if you know like a city like leicester um lots of them up north now where they are locally affected and nationally they're not affected there will be direct support that's being given do you think that's um, do you think that's possibly the route that they will take um, now? Or do you think that even that is sort of limited just because we can't afford it? I think it's inevitable that certain areas being more affected will need more support. And there's been a lot of talk about discretionary grants for certain areas. I mean, we're based in Leicester and that's obviously suffered majorly from, from local lockdown, which has been very frustrating for a lot of local businesses. The issue of the previous discretionary grants um, was that they were to be distributed by the local councils who don't necessarily have the greatest grip on what businesses actually require the funds. So, and they don't have the time or the resource or the expertise to actually allocate this. So I think it's possibly more likely rather than a local um, discretionary grant or a local support that there'll be industry-wide support because it does seem rather strange that certain industries such as um, the building industry, for example, where there's a lot of self-employed people who are currently very busy and doing very well are receiving an awful lot of support. And other industries where you may be a, a limited company director um, working as a, a wedding planner or working as an entertainer, that with your industry on its knees, not earning any money, can't obtain any support. So I would suggest that with the latest announcement from Boris Johnson about there being another six months of um, effectively what I would call a mini lockdown, that those particular industries, which I've just mentioned, alongside maybe professional sports people, alongside um, caterers, etc., who will have gone a year without any effective business, will be more deserving of support than, than many in a local area where they've continued to trade successfully. That would be certainly my preference to allow as many of the, the arts and entertainment industry um, employees and employers to continue to, to progress and survive going forward. Of course, the, the Queen and the Royal Family, um, they've been hit by 
the, the drop in tourism and, uh, and numbers. They've, they've suffered a £15 million loss uh, so far, it's uh, according to the reports. But they've said uh, that they they will bear that they will bear that cross themselves. So uh, oh, you know, we should pray, be pray, prayers for the Queen. Then, yeah, incredibly, uh, incredibly grateful. Um, uh, retail is one of those industries that um, that seems to be suffering at the moment, uh, particularly high street retail, online, and digital sales seems to be um, you know going up. And most of the stats that um, the results that are announced seems to be a relatively equal amount of improvement online, on, online and digital sales, where a reduction in in-store sales um, has happened. And, and um, the boss of the, I forget his role, the boss um, of Next, Lord Wilson, Wolfson, uh, in an interview uh, today, maybe yesterday, said that um, he, he thought that there would be hundreds of thousands of jobs that were no longer viable in the high street. Um, and he used the word viable and, and, and Rishi also used that word as well. Um, is this the start of a complete landscape change in how products and, and services, maybe less services, but products in particular are, are delivered? Is the high street retail um, venue dead? And is everything now just going to go online? Neil, you got any thoughts? I think, yeah, and I heard some of that comments by uh, Lord Wolfson as well. I think he was talking about, you know, this continual change of how we all view the high street in inverted commas, wherever that happens to be. Um, the the multi-channel, I think Next have done a particularly good job there of having both, um, both online and, and well set up. And I guess they've got good products that people want. You know, there's a lot of retailers that I dare say have got something that others sell and it's just similar, or it's a race to the bottom, and who's at the bottom to win? Next, aren't in that, for, in my view, anyway. You know, they're in a, I guess, a medium, premium, whatever zone. Um, but without being at either end of the spectrum, seems to have done that quite well. Um, but I think they also, I think it was him or someone else talking about the Christmas looming um, spending spree, and what, how's that going to pan out? Um, you know, people would typically go into their high streets and over weekends and spend, spend, spend. I know like the High Cross in Leicester, for example, you'd be buzzing. I don't know why it's going to be like this year and whether people are just um, doing it all at home. Um, but I, I think the, there's been a lot to talk about how to develop the high street in general and what, what to drag people back in and make it safe, enjoyable and still a destination rather than just shopping. I guess that's what I would expect to happen because there's still people want to go out and experience stuff. And shopping is an experience, but it's probably not the only um, drag into the into the high streets that it was. Yeah, I think I think that's that's probably true actually. Um, the, the the retail high street is almost um, going through its blockbuster phase right now, and it's it's do or die, you know, change and adapt or or not. And obviously, that they all of the big brands um, in particular they are, they're adapting to go online, but they've got to change their offline offering sufficiently to get people along. I know. Um, I know that uh, the local development, the new, the new Foss Park venture, Sports Direct Group, um, are spending a lot of money, it seems, on their new store to bring in uh, a whole esports arena um, within the shop. Esports being, you know, a massive new marketplace that's predicted to be worth billions of pounds over the next few years, um, and and it seems like they 
as a as a brand are saying, well, okay, actually, it's not just sports and and shoes and um, you know, sportswear that uh, that people want to come in and, and shop for because they can do that online. Actually, there needs to be a reason for them to come into our shops and uh, and do something different. So we'll see um, we'll see where that one leads us. Um, but I think certainly for now, it looks uh, if you're in the retail sector, tricky uh, a tricky few months ahead. If you're in the hospitality sector, tricky few months ahead. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, the support that's being offered is perhaps not, uh, not the lifeline that you require. Was there any other news stories that, um, that piqued your interest, gentlemen, over the last week? There was one that caught my eye, um, and it, it actually links in with a, a LinkedIn post I made about Lego. Um, uh, I was a big Lego fan as a child, and my children are starting to see that now. But Lego have vowed that it'll make um, we'll no longer use plastic from 2030, which, given the sheer volume of plastic that Lego must churn out uh, every year, every day, um, I thought was well a really good step. And I think that's one of the things out of the whole coronavirus and general de- uh, business development that there will be new investments, there'll be new ideas, there'll be new technologies. Uh, and new places for jobs, hopefully. Um, I'm not sure where Lego make most of their bricks. I'm sure they're in every country pretty much in the world. But um, to see such a big name making such a step and that, you know, it go to children. Children are playing with plastic. If they're such a big brand are now moving away from that, I'm hoping that's a, a general shift that they can take and go, well, why isn't that made out of something else that's not plastic? So I was, I was really buoyed by that. I guess if they could make them... Um, so that when they're on the floor and you step on them without shoes or slippers on, that they don't hurt, that would be that'd be a good start. They didn't mention um, that, but they should. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I guess as well, as long as they don't make them with the same plastic as McDonald's plastic straws are, because they just disintegrate. So you'd end up building something and it would all just collapse because it's completely pointless. Um, but yeah, James, any, any, anything that caught your eye, any comments? As someone who's got a couple of boys, certainly um, anyone who can invent a device where standing on Lego doesn't hurt has my full support and I will happily stick a Dragon's Den type investment into that um, because there is no worse pain than stepping on a Lego brick. (laughs) That's true. Gentlemen, thank you once again for joining me on the Business Herald podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you along this week. So thanks very much for listening to this week's edition of the Business Herald podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or elsewhere. If you've listened to this program and you thought it was interesting or useful, then do leave us a review and recommend to your friends and family someone that would be interested to have a listen as well. You can visit the website on www.businessherald.co.uk. You can also subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, highlighting all of the main stories uh, throughout the week. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thanks very much. Saved today, mate. <laughs> just to hear the exit speech. Very good. Very good, mate. Almost all churchill again, that was.
<laughs> no, but seriously though, that's all Boris is doing. That's that's all he really wants. And he, that was a stated aim, by the way, that he wants to be remembered like Churchill. Has he said that? Yeah, yeah. That's in his, I think in his. Uh, it might have been in his his autobiography, but he, he, he might certainly get remembered like Churchill the dog. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's what, so. When he does those kind of speeches, that's exactly what he wants. He he just wants to be known for, you know, 